Welcome to the Eye on the Cure podcast, the podcast about winning the fight against retinal disease from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Welcome everyone to the Eye on the Cure podcast. I'm your host, Ben Shaberman from the Foundation Fighting Blindness, and I am very pleased to have as my guest today, Paul Bresky, he's the CEO and co-founder of Ray Therapeutics, a company focused on optogenetic therapies for retinal diseases. And welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thank you so much, Ben. Appreciate all the fantastic work that the foundation does and that you do and appreciate that you invited me to be your guest today. Well, it's my pleasure and privilege. And just to let our listeners know a little bit about Paul, you have an interesting background. You started off your career, if I understand correctly, in generic pharmaceuticals. You moved out of that space. You kind of moved out of the pharma biotech space entirely. And then you moved back in as CEO of JSite, which is developing a cell-based therapy for retinitis pigmentosa and potentially other conditions. And I know some of our listeners are familiar with JSite. But then after a successful run there, you helped launch Ray Therapeutics, which again is focused on optogenetics. And I want to talk more about Ray and JSite. And I know in the Eye on the Cure podcast, we've talked about optogenetics a few times already, but I think it's helpful for our listeners to understand what it is, how does it work, and what are the opportunities in terms of vision restoration, and what are some of the challenges? So Ben, in terms of, you know, just very broadly, um, how does optogenetics work? So it's been known for decades that uh, single cell microbes have the ability to move towards light. And that's because they've evolved a channel protein called channel adopsins on their cell surface, which are actually activated by light. In more recent years, molecular biologists have been able to optimize these channel adopsins, express them in neurons, and make the neurons responsive to light. So what we've done at Ray Therapeutics is we've taken the best channel adoption that's actually found in nature, and then we've further engineered and optimized it for characteristics that will specifically improve vision. And then for retinitis pigmentosa, we're targeting the retinal ganglion cell, which is the appropriate cell and the last remaining cell in the retina, hence bringing promise to patients at the end stage of disease who have no remaining photoreceptor function. Right. And just to clarify, I know you, you meaning Ray Therapeutics has done some work engineering it to be even more light sensitive, but does it come from algae like some of the other channel rhodopsins? Uh, yes, it does. Okay, great. And so what are some of the challenges with optogenetics and I guess the specific challenges that Ray is striving to overcome? Let's focus on the opportunities first. Okay. I like to think of, of challenges as opportunities as well. But you know, in terms of what this can potentially translate in for patients is, is very, very important. And we need to keep in mind that we're targeting patients, you know, as I mentioned earlier, at the end stage of disease. So these are patients who are blind or nearly blind. And to some extent, this patient population has been left out. I mean, there, you know, there's incredibly exciting work going on in cell therapy, neuroprotection, traditional gene therapy and gene editing, but all target patients really at earlier stages of disease. And in gene therapy, 
Traditional gene ther therapy requires targeting causative genes. Our approach is independent of genetic mutation, and it aims actually at reversing blindness, not slowing down or stopping the progression of disease. So I think that's where the opportunity lies. In terms of challenges, and of course, emerging technologies is always challenges because we're learning on the go, but we do have a very experienced, world-class team actually with decades of experience in regen medicine for ocular indications. And I think that we've appropriately identified the challenges and we strategized around them. I mean, one challenge, of course, in drug development universally is that it takes time. And this is, you know, so frustrating and upsetting to patients, but we are really moving as quickly as possible. You know, in context, the company was formed exactly two years ago and will be in clinic this year, which I think is remarkably fast. And that's because we're very excited about getting our therapy to patients really as soon as possible. Yeah, that's great. Obviously, with our folks out there with retinal diseases who have lost all their vision, we can't get them the opportunities for vision restoration soon enough. Speaking of challenges, I know with some optogenetic therapies, there's a limitation in terms of what spectrum of light they will operate well in. But if I understand correctly, you've addressed that challenge, or at least you think you have pretty well. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, again, this you know, protein has been specifically engineered for a, a pretty broad spectrum you know, of light. So we, we think that that's a big advantage of, of our program over some of the others as well. It's a great question, actually. Sure. What retinal diseases do you think your approach will apply toward? I mean, we're, you know, we're targeting retinitis pigmentosa as the first indication. And we are, you know, very, very grateful, um, you know, to some of the other programs that have already shown proof of concept in, in RP, such as Gensight. But we do believe that this therapy will also be beneficial to other patients, or sorry, to patients with other inherited retinal diseases and geographic atrophy. And that's because the same principle applies to these patients who no longer have functioning photoreceptors. So what we do is we target the appropriate and remaining cells to restore vision. So we plan to initiate our StarGuard study actually very shortly after we begin our study in RP. And the fact that StarGuards is a juvenile form of macular degeneration, it should provide a very nice proof of concept for us to then move into GA. And then, you know, of course, we're interested in, in addressing, you know, the other uh, inherited retinal diseases as well. Right, right. And GA, just for our listeners, meaning geographic atrophy. Correct. The advanced form of dry age-related macular degeneration. So exactly. that's great. And you're gene agnostic and some maybe saying disease agnostic would be going a little too far, but you've got broad potential applicability. Let's say that. right. that's pretty fair. One question I have, and I'm always amazed how companies begin. You know, it's not easy to launch a company. There are a lot of things that one has to do. You have to find the talent and the money. Can you talk about, since you were a co-founder, how Ray Therapeutics came about? Sure. I mean, I think it's the uh, progression from JSI to Ray Therapeutics uh, was a very natural progression. 
I spent you know many years devoted to the JSAC program, and you know I'm very very excited about the potential for that therapy for patients. And then when moving on to Ray Therapeutics, what I loved was that it was so complementary to the work that I did at JSite. So the work at JSite, you know, is targeting patients at the earlier stage of disease to stop the progression of disease, to, you know, to, to restore some vision. But the data suggests that it works better in patients at the earlier stage of the disease because those patients still have existing photoreceptors. How I got involved at Ray was I knew uh, some of the people who were the co-founders and founders of Retrosense, which is really the first optogenetic program that was brought into clinic, later purchased by Abby Allergan. And uh, this group was licensing the next generation of optogenetics from Dr. Pan's lab, Dr. Pan again being the, fo- the uh, scientific founder of the work behind Retrosense. When I saw the data, that was you know, produced by Dr. Dr. Pan and the potential for, for the translatability of that into patients, I was absolutely blown away and joined the co-founding team and of course took on the CEO position. That's great. And your company is only what, about two years old? Yeah, yeah, it's two years old. There's been a lot of excitement about optogenetics. And again, you know, I referenced Gensite earlier. I think that what is important to you know, point out, in, in our estimation anyway, is that we truly have a next generation product. And that's you know, not only because you know, I mentioned earlier about the fact that we believe that we have the most light sensitive protein found in nature, but also because it's specifically been engineered, as I mentioned, for optimization for visual function. So, you know, again, the, the Gensite data is extremely exciting. They've had some remarkable results in, in patients, but because their protein is less light sensitive than ours, their patients have to wear these light enhancing goggles. And, you know, I, I know patients at the end stage of disease, they'll do anything, you know, understandably so. And if wearing goggles, you know, is required, they'll do so, but it can make the regulatory and commercial process, you know, potentially more challenging. Our data suggests that the patients will not have to wear goggles because the light is activated in very dim settings. We've also, for the first time, actually been able to see robust visual acuity data in our animal models. And again, we believe that that will translate as well or even better to humans. Right. And that visual acuity is such an important component for the treatment for vision restoration. Do you have a sense at all of how much visual acuity might be restored? Or is that just difficult to extrapolate from animals to humans because animals can't read? I mean, we're, that's why we're so excited to, you know, to get into our trials and, and see, or, you know, should I say more properly, have the patient see. But there are some papers out there that suggest, or one paper, you know, for sure that I, I read recently that suggests that even the first generation of optogenetics can potentially restore vision to something as, as remarkable as 2070, you know, which is, you know, I think legal, you know, driving in, in some states. So very, very exciting potential. Yes, that, that would be awesome, I'm sure, for, for just about everyone affected. So I want to switch gears a little bit, because one of the things that I think is so interesting about your story 
is some of your personal connections to the eye and the and the retinal space. And wasn't your father in the pharmaceutical industry when you were growing up? Yeah, my dad was the founder of a Canadian division of a generic pharmaceutical company. So I grew up in that space and started my career there and then in contract manufacturing for the you know pharmaceutical generic and uh, cosmetic industries. But I left that space for a long time. And then life actually took me back in um, shortly after my middle daughter was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa in 2010. That was, you know, obviously a very pivotal moment in all of our lives, as you can imagine, my daughter's the most, but that set me on this journey to find the most promising science out there and do what I could personally to support that science, bring it to patients. And that was when I had the opportunity of meeting Henry Klassen and Jing Yang, who are absolutely brilliant scientists. And they had created J-Cell, you know, and then again, we formed the company. This is back in, you know, 2012, which became J-Site. But yes, behind all of this, and there is a, you know, a very, very personal mission here to get these therapies to patients and very personally and very specifically to my daughter as well. So that's why we continue to work hard and do everything that we can to get this to the patients as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think that connection to your daughter is, well, obviously it's very personal, but it really amps up the urgency of the mission for you. Can you talk a bit about your daughter? Because she's taken some interesting educational and career focuses. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's her story. So I, I always, you know, prefer that she's the one who tells it. And, you know, she recently right. did a fantastic uh, TED Talk, you know, which I think is available online. Her name is Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, and, you know, the same last name as me. And I remember that, you know, when she was diagnosed, the doctor who diagnosed her, you know, she had just turned 15, two weeks prior to her diagnosis. And the doctor right in that session told her, you know, you should think about what you're going to study. And fast forward, you know, what are we, you know, 12, 13 years later, she actually has a master's in fine arts from Tufts University. And she teaches at Tufts and, you know, does some other work there. And she's just an incredibly talented, you know, and brilliant artist. So she certainly followed her passion and she's done, you know, remarkably well doing exactly that. So I, I just couldn't be more proud of her. And now she's working very specifically, you know, in an area of understanding cross-section between art and creative writing. And I think that she is already, but she'll continue to be you know, enormously successful. That's great. And she must have such a strong appreciation and unique perspective on the visual world, given her situation. But I think that's something she could use to her benefit <laughs> in yeah. terms of expressing herself and coming up with new ideas and views of the visual world. So I'm curious... When you moved into the biotech space after she was diagnosed, how did she react to that? What does she think of what you do professionally? 
It's a great question. Yeah, you know, one that I'm I'm going to specifically ask her after this podcast because I've never actually asked her that question very specifically. But I I, I think she's a, a very strong and you know level-headed young woman, and she has a, a very good understanding of the work that I'm doing and and that we're all doing in in the field. And you know, she's incredibly supportive, as you can imagine, and and she's very hopeful, as she should be, and all patients should be. I mean, this is an absolutely remarkable time in science and drug development, and it will result in treatments for patients. So I think she has a very good balance of going about her, her life in, in the boldest way in reference to a statement that you made a, you know, a couple of years ago, a, sorry, a couple of minutes ago about her um, vision. She lives the, the reality as patients do, you know, with with these inherited retinal diseases and all retinal diseases is really understanding how precious her vision is. But I think that she's she's very well balanced in you know navigating the world, you know, as she does so well with with the vision that she has, and also being very hopeful for these treatments for the future. That's great. Well, I know our entire community is appreciative of the work you're doing and Ray Therapeutics is doing to get some exciting treatments out there and hopefully across the finish line. And Paul, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to tell us about your work and a bit about your personal story. And thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing your, uh, your activities and, and your perspective. The thank you belongs to you. You know, FFB is playing a really critical role, I think, in educating patients to understand their conditions, to ask the right questions to their clinicians, to understand opportunities for appropriate trials. This is a team effort. You know, the biotechs and pharma companies, FFB, physicians, patients, you know, we're all working together for successful outcomes. And I'm very confident that Ray will be one of those successful outcomes. So, you know, I think there, again, is a lot of hope for patients and again, happy to, you know, support everything that FFD is doing. Thank you again, Paul, for being an important part of that hope. And thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in for another episode of Eye on the Cure. Thank you for all you do to support our mission and, and to drive the research. And we look forward to having you all back in a couple of weeks for the next episode. This has been Eye on the Cure. To help us win the fight, please donate at foundationfightingblindness.org.